It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
chapter 6. And today we're going to conclude a series on the book of Galatians. And uh, of course it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church there in the first century who had uh, come under some attack through false doctrine. And we've been talking about uh, the uh, aspects of you know those who are believers in God through faith uh, do not have to uh, become circumcised and go back under the law. We'll, we've seen that throughout the, the book of Galatians here. But we'll continue on and we'll look at two points of emphasis today. Normally I have three or occasionally four, but only two. But in my first point I have five sub-points. So we'll... Amen. I thought I'd give you a heads up. Well, he's only got two points with five sub-points. We're going to cover the entire book of Galatians and chapter 6 is our last chapter. Amen. Before we move on, Lord willing. Galatians 6.10, we have this verse that we'll highlight as our key verse today. And that is, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household or brotherhood of faith. That's Galatians 6.10. Today's title of the message is The Brotherhood of Faith. And I want us to understand that Christians realizing our mutual responsibilities will live with the welfare of all in view of our lives. Amen? Yeah. I have a little uh, clip out article here from Camp Wallbeak, and that's near uh, Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin. And uh, it's kind of a unique camp because all of the campers there are handicapped. Handicapped. I was reading in this article, it's been found that fellowship, controlled competition, and the broadening interest of camp life are stimulating to handicapped children and handicapped adults alike. Campers are not embarrassed over their disabilities when surrounded by others with handicaps. They often find that in helping others, their own weaknesses are strengthened. I thought that was a very interesting article and uh, certainly have no reason to doubt the, the veracity of that article and the truth of it. Because if you ask me, Christians need one another in really somewhat the same way as the handicapped campers do. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, brotherly love in Christ demands that we help and restore each other and bear each other's burdens. Mutual responsibility is part of the Christian law of love. Amen. And that's what we're going to look at today, the brotherhood of faith. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the opportunity, Lord, as Your servant, and that's what I am, Lord, Your servant, to be here today and serve Your people, Lord. Father, we look to You. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Father, as we look into the, the wonderful Word that You have given to us, Lord, we ask for illumination, for understanding, for comprehension. Lord, each of us have many, many needs, many, many areas of our lives that, that we need Your help in. Uh, Lord, let Your Word go forth in power today. Speak through Your servant. Anoint me to minister Your Word to Your people. And Lord, I pray Your anointing be upon every ear to hear and every heart to receive. Give us good ground that good fruit may come from it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, look at two things. Hallelujah. Number one, Galatians 6, chapter 1, we'll see principles of conduct for the Christian life. Now, this is a solid, I say amen, biblical-based discipleship message for all believers, including myself, especially myself. I need it. Amen. And these are good principles that if we incorporate them into our walk with God, and in our lifestyle, we're going to have success. Good success. Not for our own sakes, but for the kingdom. For the king. Amen. That's what we want to do him well. Because he purchased us on that cross with his own blood. And he wants a return on that investment. Amen. And if we follow him willingly and obey him and his word, we'll make sure he gets that return. He'll do, we'll do him proud. Amen. But we're going to look at five 
subpoints in terms of the principles of Christian conduct, and, and you'll find them in verses 1 through 10. Amen? Five completely solid, good points of conduct for us as believers. First one is spiritual care. Brothers, we talk about the brotherhood of faith. That's a good way to open it up, isn't it? Brothers, and I'm reading from the ESV today. If anyone is caught in any transgression, does anybody have any other version than that? Trespass. Trespass, amen. Okay, what is a transgression to a believer and or a trespass? It's a sin. It's a sin. So what is he saying? Brothers, meaning fellow Christians, now, often we use that word, and I hate—I don't want to have to be redundant and explain because a lot of women are like, well, "I'm not a brother; I'm a sister." <laughs> when we have words like brothers and brethren and sons of God, we all—we all cut from the same. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. It's a male language we're dealing with. He's talking to all believers, male and female alike. Okay, just wanted to throw that out there so you understand, brothers. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you know I see that word like caught, and you know what comes to my mind, Dave? Like when you're out in the water and you're looking for like catching minnows and things, and you drop that little seam net down, or uh, or you have the little tube thing with the with the made out of the wire, and you, you drop it. You're trying to do what? catch these minnows so that you can use them for bait and go fishing. Amen. And it's like catching fish in a net. It's almost like when, when we get involved sometimes in sin, I know it's an act of the will and we, we decide, you know, I'm going to do that. We may be tempted or enticed, but we, 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 we're often caught just like a fish would be in a net. And you know, when we see a brother or a sister caught in transgression or sin, that's the better word, Often they are just that, caught. I don't mean you get caught doing something, right? That can happen too. But you're caught as entrapped or encapsulated. You know, when you take a fish in a net, it's hard to get them out. Sometimes they get kind of tangled up in there. That's what sin will do. Oh, he's preaching now. Come on, man. Sin will tangle you up in his net. And it's hard to get free. But that's why he says, if anyone who is caught in any transgression, notice it said any, that means any kind, you who are spiritual should do what? Smack them in the head? Store them. Ignore them? Bash them? Ridicule them? Step on them? Laugh at them? Mock them? What does that say? Restore. 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 You that are carnal or you that are spiritual. Oh, how they do Spiritual. What's true spirituality? It's, it's walking like Christ would walk in, in, in maturity. We're to restore Him in a what? Gentle way. In a gentle way. Or spirit of gentleness. Oh, man, isn't that awesome? That it really is. When you think about it, I, I remember as a non-believer. How many remember, you know, B.C. and then A.D.? Amen. Before I got saved and after I... Amen. I don't know what it was that, that attracted me to Christ more than this one word that we have used here. It, it, it blows my mind. And you don't hear it very often. I remember what... That, you remember the first time as a... maybe a transgressor. I know I was. Walking into a church around some Holy Ghost saved people. I remember going in. I felt real un... I, I, was, I was nervous, man. I mean, sweaty palms, you know. Like you would think, I'm going to all these people that they're going to punch in the face or what? Are they going to... You know, they, I was like, I'd rather have gone into a, uh, a nightclub and got in a bar brawl or something rather than walk into church, man. Somebody say, amen. Come on, you know what I'm going And I remember in my mind as a an unredeemed person. I said, man, these people come up to me and call me a sinner, so I'm going to slap somebody. I ain't going to put up with I said, who do they think they are? You know, I had, you heard they got a chip on your shoulder? 
I had a because I, I I knew I was a transgressor. I knew I was a sinner. But I didn't want one of them to kind of call me one. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell them a piece of my mind. You tell me how. And what got what disarmed me, knocked the chip right off, was I felt a spirit of gentleness. And nobody said anything about sin or trans or nothing. Hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. And it totally flipped my mind. I was expecting. <laughs> you're a possible, ain't you? You're a joker, ain't you? I know what you are. You're a fornicator. I was waiting. You're on your way to hell, ain't you, boy? <laughs> I got gentle, gentle. And I remember as a as a believer when I got saved and, and I could I could feel that gentleness, you know, I could just feel it when I got around the good people, you know, Christian people. And then I got that old self righteous attitude after you get saved, you're like, I can't even sin now, I'm, I'm perfect. Hallelujah. You ever felt like that? You know, you're like, glory to God. And you get around somebody and you cuss them out and you're like... I remember going to the preacher a couple weeks later. I said, I said, preacher, I've lost my salvation. You lost your salvation. How did you lose your salvation? I said, I told him what happened. Got into some sin and did some... And he just he sat me down. He very gently said, it's okay. Let's pray. You're going to be okay. And it restored me. He pulled me out of that little net, you know, and set me back on my feet. And Apollo, he didn't just laugh blast me for being some nasty sinner or whatever. No, he, he restored. And that's what we didn't do. We had a fellow, I kid you not, man. This guy was caught in a bad sin in the church. And I'm like, I, even me, I was like, man, that's a big one. That's real. Whoa. But they handled the brothers there that were, I was I wasn't very I was only first year in, in Jesus. I wasn't very mature. I didn't know nothing. I mean just I didn't have a opinion one way or the other. But I thought, wow, that dude's in trouble, man. He got a that's a bad one there. And they just restored this fellow and treated him gently. And that that, that spoke to me. Those just few years or so in Christ, I began to know that you know, just being gentle with people will get you a lot farther. And sometimes just yanking on their chain. Think about it. Hey, you know, I tell you what, I, and I, I thought about that when I was putting this together. I said, you know, when I, as a young man growing up in society and life, I never, ever responded well to violence. You know, I was, you know, you need to discipline and you kick your, you know, I, I got my share of it. You know, I grew up under that kind of a situation at times, but I, I, you could beat me sideways and that wouldn't teach me a thing. I'd just rise up and, and be even worse. That's the way I was. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't respond to that type of, some people do. I mean, but when people were gentle and dislike, that just blew. I always, I always responded to that. And what that's what struck me about the Lord is God, Christ is is the good. He's a gentleman. Amen. He's gentle. And if you go to Galatians four and five, as you chapter back, you don't have to. But we have the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the flesh. And one of the fruits of the spirit is what gentleness. Amen. I thought maybe one of the fruits is rowdiness or something. <laughs> no, it's gentleness. Amen. And uh, that's how we're to be with others when when they're caught up in things. We're to, we're to be spiritual caregivers. Somebody say amen. As believers, as the part of the brotherhood of faith. We're to restore people in a gentle way. Now look what he says. He gives us a warning. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted or tested. Tempted and tested is something that comes to all of us because we're in the flesh. Amen? Look what he says here. Bear one another's burdens 
So fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, oh, let me stop there though. We're to bear one another's burdens. That's again a part of that. We're to restore the transgressor gently and watch over ourselves so that we don't fall into sin. You know how many times I've seen people who do the opposite and instead of restoring someone in a gentle way, they, they criticize them. You know, uh, when we read the New Testament, even Paul, this is Paul's letter, but when we read a lot of his other letters, they're written in a militaristic terms. Like, we're in a spiritual warfare. Fight the good fight of faith. Put on the armor of God. You know, the devil is like a roaring lion. We're fighting against spiritual wickedness. So there's a lot of military terms in his writing, in Paul's writing, in terms of fighting and warfare and so forth. But he tells us here to watch, that's a militaristic turn, over ourselves because we could fall prey and get caught in a transgressive net as well. You know, maybe the reason, you know, say we're the only army, the Christian army, that shoots its own wounded. Now, if you haven't been in church long, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've been in church long enough, you realize... You know, when somebody falls, what do they normally do? Oh, when they're down, just kick them while they're down, you know. Instead of helping them up and restoring them gently. And why do we need to consider ourselves? Now think about it for a minute. What if you're going through something in your daily life, on your job, in your home, in your family? And we have a spiritual enemy, right? Who is... The devil who walks around as a roaring lion. We have principalities and powers. You have demon spirit. You have a hierarchy of evil in the spiritual world that is your enemy. Looking for a way to get in on you. Now, say for instance, Brother John over here, he's not here today, but we'll talk to John, uh, gets involved in a transgression. And I just go ahead and just, just smash him for that. You dummy! You 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 you. Now, what am I not realizing? That you can do the same thing yourself. No, what I'm not discerning. We're part of the same family, brotherhood of faith. The same family. We have the same heavenly Father. We're brothers in Christ. But I'm also not understanding. He may be under attack spiritually. You ever hear somebody come up? Now I'm not gonna say John. I'm just I'm gonna, I'm gonna use uh, Robert. There's nobody here named Robert, right? No. <laughs> There he is. Oh my gosh. Give me a name. Uh, Cecil. Stan. Yeah, old Stan there. You know. Stan gets caught up in a sexual sin. He sees some young lady on the side and he gets caught up and he, oh. So we're going to jump on Stan because he's a moron and an idiot. And he, he, he just let everybody, you know, what would, do we consider maybe a demon spirits attacking Sam and just relentlessly going after him and he succumbed to that temptation and and we how, how can we say, hey, well you're a dumb and maybe you've never been attacked that way. Maybe the devil hasn't come on you like that. So if we jump on the bandwagon and kick him while he's down, what's going to happen to you next? Your biggest coming for you. You read what you. We'll get to that in a moment. So be spiritual, realizing sin and track is a part of the spiritual realm. Yes, we can get caught up in it. We don't want to. Amen. But we need to be gentle with those who have fallen into sin. Not not critical. With we don't want to drive people away from Christ, but rather restore, restore. Amen. Look what he says here. And we'll move on to our second point, self-evaluation. We have to spiritually care for one another, but we need to be self-evaluators. Look at verses 3 through 5. For if anyone thinks he is something, hey, who's all that? Who's all that out there? Anybody think you're something? I'm something. Now, of course, you get this uh, word face stuff. Hey, you, you're supposed to be, you know, you're the king's kid. You have everything. That's a spoil. You know, no, 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 no. Does anybody think you're something? Now, he's going to set us up here 
for, with re, a reality check. I like one thing I like about Paul. He just is blunt force truth. He just tells it like it is. He doesn't beat around the bush, tiptoe through the tulips. He tells it like it is. He said, "Do you think uh, you're somebody, basically, when you're really what? You ain't nothing." <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a king's kid. I, 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 I deserve to be wealthy, healthy, wealthy, and mm-hmm. prospering and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> we think we're all that when we're young. You are. Let me, let me, let me just, let me back up. I use the word you. That's my problem. Let me back. I am. I am nothing. Do you know that? You know. You know what? I know that. I know that. Jesus even said, that apart from me, you can do nothing, let alone you are nothing. That's right. Now, in Him, we're a new creation, but in and of ourselves, we are nothing. Now, here's the what plagues most of the church-going people in the world today. I'm going to tell you right now. They think too highly of themselves. As long as you think you're something, you're in deep trouble. Okay? You are in deep trouble. And I hope after 15 years, nobody can come away and say, you know, that preacher just, he thinks he, 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 he knows everything. He, he thinks he, I hope I make it clear. I'm just like you. You're just like me. We're sinners saved by grace. Amen? And uh, if we if we think we're something, well, you know, I have arrived at this spiritual plateau. Uh, brother, Brother Dave, uh, I'll counsel you because of my great wisdom and understanding of this Christian facility of the ever-learning, uh, whatever I said. Uh, I don't even understand my own words. But I'm, Way up here, you understand. Uh, and I'll reach way down to where you're at. Try to elevate you. Hey, you know people that sound like that, man. Do you know that? Oh my God. We are nobody. We are nobody. But we are somebody because Jesus died for us. But the only way we can really be effective in the brotherhood of faith, and that is in helping one and caring for one another and counsel, is to realize who we are. Apart from Him, I'm nobody. But whatever I am in Him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And we need to understand that. Because what, what, what comes before a fall? Pride. Pride comes before a fall. And uh, we realize, when we say I'm nothing, and Paul could do that, I, I know I can do that, is because we understand who we really are. That, that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we're nobody. I mean, not, not, not even on rate. Amen. It's in Him that we can, and only good that can come out of our lives is when we're yielded to Him. Then we can do things for Him. But He gets all the glory because it's His Spirit in us that is doing the work. But he says here, let each one of us test our own work. No, let me back up. Anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he does what? Deceives. He deceives himself. Okay? So, I mean, then he goes on and sort of gives a work-based kind of thing. Let me read it on here, verse 4. But let each one test his own work, and then he'll have reason to boast. Uh, it will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, what did that mean? That's kind of a like. What did he just mean? He just said something I understood straight up. Now he's kind of like, what he said. You know, every person has gifts and talents and abilities, and you work that out between you and the Lord. Somebody say, well, well, I have nothing. I can do nothing. But you, you just sung a beautiful song that many people can't sing. But so you really did something. But you, between you and the Lord, have to realize I'm still nothing because if He hadn't given me the gifting to do what I do, I could, I would do, I would not be able to do anything. And so it's all on Him. 
He, he gets all the glory. Amen. It's not on me. Well, that was a, you know, that was a great sermon. That was a, I, 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 it's all on Christ. It's not on me. Man, I can't do nothing. I'm nobody. And, and, and but we all have to bear our own load and work through those things. Now, and one reason he says that is because there are, when I, when I view my sisters and brothers in the Lord, there are so many good things and traits and character characteristics that people have that are admirable. You know, but we all realize where they have where they originally come from. You know, there's one guy you you you, you come from, he, got, he just built like a you know, just kind of because it looked like an Adonis, man. Just like I, I had a friend I grew up with. He was dumber than a brick. Forgive me, Lord. You know, he would he gone he he's gone into the afterworld now. But he was Built like a. This dude had in the in the sixties had abs before they had abs. You know what I'm saying? He was just like ripped, man, just ripped. Strong as odds. But that basically was his only trait that he had. I mean, he didn't have much else going for him. That was it. But I loved him because he was my brother. No, no, he was not. We lived up the street and grew up together. Played ball and everything, but he, he had a physique you wouldn't believe. Oh, my. No, 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 no. Brother Ray. Brother Ray. Brother Ray. And anyway, I've met others who were just very intelligent. Why? You're like, man, I admire that trait. They're very smart. They got, I've seen other people had very great skill. You know, you've been around people, you work in a, in a trade, and you work around for you're trying to learn a trade, or you're coming up, you watch the master. See, when you get into a trade, brother, you laid brick and stone, right? You had to learn that, right? And when you was learning, there had to be somebody around you who knew what the heck they was doing, right? And you're watching these guys, they, they, and you admire that. You emulate that. They work through those settings. And you know, those people who have earned whatever they, they can boast of what they do. That's cool. They've earned it. They, they, they've got that right. They're the man for that time, you know. I remember uh, in my peak years of printing, uh, I was working. I went to, was always commuted, but like a number of years down to the city. And then I started working at one of the factories up here, Burlesman and that type of thing. And I ended up on a night shift with these kids. One of these, I was one of five colors. I'm sorry. I was 40 years old at the time. And uh, the oldest press guy in there. <laughs> I mean, these guys were like 20, 21, you know. We talk about green as grass, man. And they called me Pops or Dad. That was my thing. Hey, Pops. Hey, Dad. Well, whatever was going on back in, I think it was 1999 or something, was fitness craze where these guys was taking uh, ripped fuel and lifting weights and, you know, they would. So they would be running around. We work at night shift, you know, in a print shop. It gets a little gross and nasty. Fellows are just fellows, you know. And they were the young boys around there. Hey, Pops, look at my abs, brother. <laughs> And they would show you, they'd pose against each other. Look at this. <laughs> Look at these abs. Now the guy, the plant manager, he was he was even more rotund than me. He was sitting back in the in the little glass thing where you could look through every now and then. Every now and then he'd peek out, y'all get back to work over there. You know, that be about the, the gist of it. But night after night, we kept, everybody kept tabs on what everybody did. Everything's written down, the whole nine yards. They don't let you get through. Uh, in the modern world without every procedure has to be documented. You know, I beat everybody in the plant daily like a drum. I mean, I work, I outwork everyone in there. Now, I, I can't even propose to do that. This is, we're talking 20 years ago. And these guys are like, oh, let me see your hands. I said, I'm too busy working and getting the job done here. You playing games. 
And I beat them all up. Now, they had physical gifting and strength that I didn't have. At that. Now, when I was 40 and 30, oh my. Oh, oh. I was unstoppable and full of pride because I knew I was unstoppable. At 40, I could feel myself going over the other edge, but I still had more experience and not on the day. just beat them on a daily basis. We had Brother Nate working with me for a while, and his, he was with me for like five or six years. And we just doing what washing fountains out, you know. And I could wash two fountains and three fountains in his one. And at fifty some years old, you know, I mean it's like come on, one movie, let's let's you know, and uh, he beat me one time. And it was like he was trying his hardest too. He finally could put, you know, technique, try. You can boast when you earn that right to boast, is what he's saying. But, but, and that's in yourself. But you've got to bear your own love. In other words, you've got to do your own work. You've got to apply yourself and so forth. But when we break it all down, in Him, we're, we're nobody without Him. Okay? And anything we can do is because, and now what I was getting ready to say is, with these guys, they had all the strength. They had all. They didn't have the application of that strength. Sort of like having the biggest car with the biggest engine. But if you can't get the power to the wheels, it ain't gonna do you any good. You know, and I would be out working these guys, and they were stronger than me at that point in their life. You know, it was just the way it was. But they didn't have this. And, and, and I look at my sick. I said, I lifted up my shirt one night. I just threw it all off. I said. <laughs> they said, show us your six pack, Daddy. Uh, that's all I needed. Here you go, boys. I said, I don't got a six pack, I got a case. <laughs> the, old, yeah, the old man stuck his head out. He said, Son, that ain't no case, that's a keg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of that. Amen. But no matter how good you are or how efficient you are or how proficient you are, at some point you're going to get old. You could be the prettiest little thing walking, strutting down on the high heel shoes, and at some point you're going to wrinkle up and hips are going to get a little wider, the strut's going to be... It, it, it just at some point... Yeah, now you, that's why I said you're going to bury your own load. You know, so our lives need to be built upon more than our own self-esteem. And need to be built on the fact it's Christ. Amen. In us, the hope of glory. Amen. Let me move on here. Uh, we see appreciation. Look at verse 6. Amen. And this is a, 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 a you would think, <laughs> this is one that you would think preachers would use more, but uh, it's, it's a fear factor type of thing. What he's saying here, look, one who is taught in the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. What he's saying is to appreciate uh, the church, the leadership in the church. He's talking about giving. He's talking about supporting the ministry in the church. And that's that's exactly what he's talking about. And I'm not going to stay on that. Y'all do that here. I'm going to move right on. The fourth one is sowing and reaping. That's kind of the one I wanted to get at. Because this is a powerful spiritual law. Just like in the natural world, we have gravity. You know, if you throw something up in the air... It doesn't just keep going up. Why? There's a force there. It's coming back down at some point. I mean, the more force you exert throwing it up, the higher it will go. But it's still going to come down because that law is always present. That law of gravity. Now, the law of sowing and reaping. When you think about the amount of terms used in the New Testament by Jesus, by Paul, by the other apostles, of Agricultural terms or agronomy. We're talking about sowing is, is dealing with planting. Reaping is dealing with harvesting. We have in between a growth period. I mean, you have plant, grow, harvest. And that corresponds to a spiritual truth that we need to know that's in the Bible, throughout the Bible. I mean, it's, it's, it permeates the Old and New Testament, but it's definitely in the New Testament. Now, he says here, do not be deceived. You think he's trying to get through something to us, right? Does that mean we can be? Yes. Amen. He says, don't be. Don't be deceived. Um, 
God is not what? Mocked. Oh man, he's really getting serious here. Don't mock God. For whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. So, if we sow something that's not good, we could be mocking God. That's what he's actually saying. Don't mock God now. Now, let's look at this a little closer. There's two ways here he's telling us how we can sow. Uh, for the one who sows to his own flesh, I mean, we're here last week. We talked about flesh, right? We, what the flesh is. What is the flesh again? The sin nature. Okay, we know we have physical flesh called the body, but this is dealing with that and the sin nature inside. Amen. We're not going to go over that. We've already expounded on it. But he says, don't sow to the flesh or plant things in the flesh. Look, he says here, for from the flesh you will reap what? Destruction. Destruction or corruption. Death. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap death. You're going to harvest something from that flesh and it's not good. But look what he said. He gives us a, thank God, there's an opposite. But the one who sows to the Spirit, that's capitalized, right? Will from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life. Let us not grow weary in well-doing or doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up or quit. Now that is a wonderful promise, and that's a spiritual truth that that's... Now, sowing or planting... We got that as planted. And then a season, due season. I mean, when you plant a seed, it don't grow up right away, does it? It takes a period of time, and there has to be some things taking place during that time. And then it grows and develops, and then you harvest or reap. Okay, there's a process there. Anybody that has a garden understands that clearly. Now, now what is he talking about in the spiritual realm? Is that in Christ we don't want to sow to the flesh or get live it live by the sin nature or the old man. Don't live like unsaved people. Don't live like the world. If you live like the world, if you're out raising hell, drinking beer, smoking dope, sleeping around, you know what's going to happen? You're going it's going to come back on you. You're going to reap what corruption. We're not talking about eternal security. We're talking about just a natural process. If you do that, now what can a believer do that? Well, yeah, he says, don't be deceived. They're believers that think they can do that. Do you know that? Well, I've been saved. I can just go out and live anywhere. I, I didn't say if you were doing it or caught up in something, but I'm talking about you. You say, well, I'm gonna live. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. Uh, I'm gonna drop acid every week, Dave. Get high, man. Because what does the difference does it make? I, I'm saved, you know. Is that a good thing to do? What's going to happen? You reap it, you sow it in the flesh? I think I'll just shoot up heroin, man. Why, Why not? I, I accepted Christ. I'm going to go to heaven. Well, you might go there a lot quicker if, you, if you're doing that, right? You, you will reap. Oh, well, well, but when I got saved, the big sins was smoking cigarettes. You know, I was two pack a day. I went from two pack a day to nothing. I mean, it was like, you know. And some folks be like, oh, he was he was smoking the cigarettes and you know it. That's not as bad as somebody over there gossiping about somebody behind somebody's back. Come on now. But what do you reap when you do that? You know, I mean, are you sinning against me or somebody else? Who are you sinning against? We hurt ourselves, that's all. Come on now. Man, I, if I didn't eat as much as I did, I wouldn't have no diabetes. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying. Who am I going to point to on that? Rod, it's your fault. I'm like, no. I'll blame him on that. <laughs> so, I mean, there's culpability. There's, but, but, but we we got to watch how we reap. But notice what he's saying. If we reap to the Spirit, when we, we serve God with our time, everybody has an allotted amount of time. How much? I don't know. Neither do you. Time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, treasure. What are you doing with those three areas? 
You should at least be going to church every week. Somebody say amen. Reading that Bible. Praying to God. And working on your faith in Christ. Working on your relationship with Him. And you will reap in due time. If you sow to that. That's a spiritual discipline you're sowing to. You will reap. Now, I had four little ones. My, my little ones here. Some of them have little ones there. Drag them into church and stick them in a pew and, and that was it. And then, did you like it? Did you like that? Were you always, did you always enjoy it? Now, back in that day, we, we went more than one time a week, didn't we? Yeah. And, and Pastor Jerry, you think I'm long-winded? I'm not long-winded, am I, girl? Huh? No, we had long, big, long services back in the day. Come on, man. Hallelujah. Church be three, four hours long. Kids be passed out under the <laughs> You got six kids slain in the street. No, they just pass out. They just tired. <laughs> Amen. Now you say, okay, I'm going to skip that discipline in my life. And I just, I ain't going to go, or I'm not going to take the kids. I just, it's too too much of a problem. It's too too much of a hassle to go through all that. What's this? What, what's going to happen when you reap? Kids are doing the same. Huh? Kids are doing the same. What are you going to reap? That's the question. What will you reap in due season? Bad kids, if you... you guys are bad kids. I'm going to tell you that right now. You guys are people rebelling against God, living like the devil. Now, if you you plant and you, you, you have no sense to do, see, if you do not what? Faint or quit or give up. How many people start, but then they quit or they give up? You don't reap. Oh, you reap, but not what you was hoping to reap. So it requires, now I'll give you an example. People like giving or tithing, giving in the church. <laughs> That's a big one for a lot of people. It's like, well, you know, uh, I spent, I don't know, my first four or five trying not to give. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I put, I put a dollar, I'll roll it up, make it look like it's like <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you ever did that. Come on. I, I'll get I said, like, my tithe is like $100 this week. Uh, I'll take five ones and roll up, put a five on the outside, or a 20, you know. Uh, and I always have problems with my money and my finances. You know, I'm like, man, why am I always having these problems? Right? Finally, I said, I'm going to just have to do the word. And then I remember first time, it's like, well, I've been tired for four weeks. Ain't nothing happened. This ain't, this ain't working. You know what I'm saying? This really ain't working. I need that money. I had to buy me something. More problem, nothing. Then finally, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, man, I got more now than I did when I wasn't. That's right. Why? Because God can make your 90% go further than your 100 that you keep yourself. You sow it to the Spirit. But it's also a, what do you call that? A season. You have to let that, when you plant the seed and cover it up and water it, it has to go through a process. It has to break ground, it has to grow, it has to develop. And that takes time. Now, I don't know it's corn. That's like, what, three months or something like that? Four months? How many? 72 days. What is an apple? You put an apple seed in the ground, you got to wait for the tree to come up. That could take years, right? Now, you know, a lot of times we're planting, we don't realize that this sowing and reaping. That's why I'm spending a little bit of time here before I close down. A lot of the things... How many kinds of seed are there? I mean, there's vegetable seed, right? There's fruit seed. Animal seed, right? Think about that. Human seed. How much does the Bible talk about seeds? Everything comes from being planted in seed. Jesus is the seed of the woman. Well, everything's seed. We're born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. Think about that. The Word's planted in your heart, and a new creation is born by that seed. 
That's powerful. See. Everything can be seen. Your giving of your talent. So you're going to play a band. You're going to sing and worship in the church. That's that's planting seed. You got to wait on that heart. Now think. When Pastor Jerry says, Well, I preach the word, what am I doing? A soul went out to sow. I'm putting forth what? Seeds. Seeds. It's either going in and getting in good ground, stony ground, wayside, whatever. I'm looking for good ground. Come on. Yeah. But everything revolves around sowing and ultimately reaping. And there has to be a growth process. Now, when you, and I said, well, the reason I'm, I'm laying this out is I want you to understand some of you are praying for loved ones. Hello. To get saved. And it's like, man, I've been faithful over and over. I've been praying for my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter. I've been praying for my parents. I want somebody to get saved. Come on, man. And years have gone by. What God said you will reap if you faint. Do you know when you plant an oak tree how long it takes? You ain't going to see that in your lifetime. You might have planted it. But you won't see that thing get up enough to put an acorn out in your lifetime. Maybe it might take 30, 40 years, 50 years. Come on, man. So, sometimes we don't understand what we're doing in people's lives. Now, we want instant results. I know I do. <laughs> you don't. You're not human. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. God knows how long something takes to grow and germinate. Because every seed is different. It's not the same. It would be nice if it was like green beans. You put them in, and what, four or five weeks later, you're snapping beans, right? Come on now. It doesn't work like that. Now, we, we need to continue to be faithful and sowing, watering, cultivating, watching over that harvest. Because there's things that we've planted. I know there's some things I planted years ago I haven't seen yet. But I believe in God. One day I'm going to see that harvest. Come on. You know, the Lord planted a harvest. Before he even created the world, he said Christ was the last slain from before. He knew that he was going to get a big harvest after he planted his son in death. And he's still waiting on it to come in. Come on now. That's been a long time, hasn't it? So we need to be like that. The law of sowing and reaping uh, is, is very uh, important there. And then we need to continue to do good. Look at verse 10. So then... As we have opportunity. You know every believer has opportunity. Of course, to Paul's words here. Let us do what? Good. Good. To who? All all Especially the brotherhood of faith. That's what we're talking about today. Or the household of faith. We're brothers because we're all part of the same household. Somebody say amen. amen. We're to do good. Oh, hallelujah. That's my first point. Amen. Second point is the epilogue, or what many would call the, the benediction. And that's verses 11 through 18, the final points that Paul was making. He reiterates to us the danger of falling into legalism or going back under the law. Because that's really what the whole letter was written about. And he, he encapsulates it here in his benediction or in his epilogue here. Verse 11, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So we know who the author is. It's Paul. He's putting down some weighty words for these folks to read. And I don't know if he understood. It wouldn't be just Galatia. It would be the whole church of all time would be reading these words and these admonitions. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to become circumcised. And he comes all the way back to chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. The reason he wrote the letter is they were being subverted from faith in Christ alone to go back under the Jewish law. And he says they're only doing it, it's the flesh that's motivating them, not the, not the Holy Spirit. They're trying to make a show of you. They would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now Paul is really laying out a distinction. If you preach truth, if you're a preacher, and every believer is to a degree, come on now, you're going to be persecuted. You're not going to be received by everybody. Matter of fact, most will not like what you or I am saying. It's just the way it is. We all like to be well received, but that's just not how it... The message of the gospel, the message of the cross, is an offense to those who perish. It's an offense to those who are religious because they believe they can pick themselves up. We know I'm nothing, but they think they are. And somehow, by God's grace... 
I'll get myself ready for heaven and he'll my good will outweigh my bad. Well, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that you can never be good enough. And the law itself, God's law, cannot get you good enough. Amen. It takes a new creation, it takes Christ. It takes that cross. But he says some very powerful things here I want us to get a hold of as we close. He tell, talks about that being the flesh. And that, they, that if you're going to preach the cross, you're going to be persecuted for that. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that how religious people are? But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But uh, far from it, or from me, to boast except, Paul says, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what he says here. This is the importance of the cross. This is what I preach. This is what my ministry is about. This is what who, who I am about. He says here, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, "For uh, I'm not going to boast in anything but the cross of Jesus, which the world has been crucified to me. In other words, Paul said, I ain't got no interest in what's going on in this world as far as being a part of it. He said, it's passing away. It, it, it's, it's useless. It's worthless. It's rubbish. He said, and the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Now, if every believer walked like that, you'd have millions of Jesuses walking around. Amen? I mean, that's how it would be. But unfortunately, we get so close to that world, uh, it's like getting around a fire with the smoke, and it gets on us, and we can smell the smoke. Amen? You know? We, we need to be like Paul. Just, just just stay away from it. And he says that all who walk by this rule, he said, peace and mercy will be upon you and upon the Israel of God. Now that's an amazing statement that he just said there that, that goes overlooked by many people. You have what we call the church. And you have national Israel whom God has a plan for. A prophetic plan. We can see it unfold in our day. But God's ultimate goal is to create a people in Christ, a new creation in Christ, who are not Israel or the church, but they're the Israel of God. And that's what we are in Him. The Israel of God. Man, that's a powerful thing right there. Because he, look what he says. For now, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. He said, don't mess with me, man. He said, I'll go out there and preach the Word. They stone me. I get back up by the grace of God and go to the next house, preach it again. They hate me. They beat me. I got Look at my back. I got marks all over my body from the violence that's happened to me. He said, I'm not preaching. If I wanted to no violence, I'd just go ahead and preach circumcision and, and they would leave. They would love me. If I want to uh, make everybody happy, I'd just get up here and tell you what you want to hear. I sent some of you all the article on Andy Stanley. Remember, I started off several weeks ago. I said, this is the guy, you remember in the service? I said, this is the guy that says, uh, we don't need the Old Testament. That's rubbish. We don't go by, we're the church, we go by the New Testament. The Old Testament is, is gone. Now, I remember telling you all that, and it's, it's up from the pulpit. I'm like, people looking at me like, yeah, I think he's crazy. I showed you the article. And we got folks right here in the in the in my own in my own club here that are buying all into that nonsense. You see what I'm saying? Pastor Jerry ain't gonna go down that road. This this is the this is the word of God from Genesis through Revelation right here. And I ain't never backing down from that. It's the Bible. It's all good. It's not part of it. It's all good. But see, men become apostate. And they spread that nonsense because we don't take heed to the words that I'm reading right now. <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Neither circumcision counts for anything. Isn't that what it says? Circumcision. What is circumcision? The sign of entering into a, a legal contract with God to keep the Old Testament. He said that don't mean nothing. But look what he says here. But neither does uncircumcision. In other words, God's not into religion, man. That's right. Isn't that amazing? 
what means something. Look what he says. But a what? That's the only thing that means anything. Well, you know, if you're saved, you got to get circumcised. You got to keep the Sabbath. You got to eat certain types of food. You got to do certain things. That's not what it says here. It don't mean nothing. Well, then why did God give it to show you that you could not live by that? You're going to have to come a whole other way before God, a new and living way. It's through Christ. It's through the veil of His flesh. It's through faith alone. It's the cross that saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. Amen? It's the cross. Some people claim that Christian doctrine is not as important as how one lives, but one inevitably finds a breakdown in living if there is no foundation of doctrine and conviction. So we're looking at scriptures that tell us how we need to live. Now they're not suggestions, are they? I mean, straight up telling us, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, do this. Amen. And then we need to know those things. How many believe that's important? Because if we don't know them or they're not explained clearly, we don't have a guidebook. This is the guidebook to how we should live. Uh, then we, we're going we're gonna to have trouble. We're going to reap something that we don't want to reap. It's going to come from the flesh and religion. You know, I was watching. I couldn't, I couldn't help but see I don't mean to jam on other religious faiths, but I can't help but see the stark contrast. Watching the Pope fellow, you know what I'm talking about? I don't have a lot of respect there. There's a major scandal with pedophilia right now. You got the cardinal being replaced. He has part of my last name, but he, I ain't related, thank you. Uh, and they took him down. And, and we have, I've been watching the Pope ride around in this little mobile thing among really per poor poor people. You know what I'm saying? Dirt poor people. And he's got on his white robe with his hat and in this bulletproof thing and steps out and, and he's escorted by all these and you got guys with the with the you know escorting him around, you know, the, and he's up there kissing on all these little poor people and, and, and it's like it's all a show of, a, of religion. It's a religious show. Now Jesus, and now we know what he, if he stepped out of heaven, is he going to walk around in a popoville with a funny looking hat with gold threads and, and gold implements and or cross and, and, and put on a big show in front of everybody of how holy he might And these men act like they're holy and they're full of the devil. Just look at what they they say. Look at what they. Man, I don't speak that eloquent, but I'm not I'm not a devil, okay? I mean, these guys out there talking about all kinds of communist ideals and things in the church. Well, you need to let all the South American people from South America into your borders, and building a wall is a sin. Did you know he said that? Building a wall is a sin. Do you know he has the biggest wall around the Vatican? Yeah. And they don't just let anybody in. If you're going to tell other people to do something, why don't you practice it yourself? Open your gates. Open your gates. Yeah. But see, we have this religious thing in our world that's going on. It's not God. He's not in that. You know, we see, I see Paul, think about that. What made me think about that was watching that the, the clips of this guy, and I, I, I can't even be respectful. I just call this guy. He's not no holy man. Amen. Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, who is land blasted in our media. You know, Trump's the, the guy that's colluding with him all the time. You know, constantly. Vladimir Putin said last week he's not a holy man. Talking about the Pope, there's no holiness in that man. You know what? He's absolutely right. Absolutely right. We're talking about if Paul the Apostle, the guy that wrote half the New Testament, showed up where the Pope was. I think South America they had clips of him going through there, Cuba and all that. And people just abject poverty. He's getting out of a gold-plated vehicle with all these gold implements and all this. If Paul the Apostle showed up, 
He'd be just probably like one of them. And he could pop, pop Robbie, he could pop his Harley t-shirt off and turn around and show his back where he was beat for his faith in Christ. And who's the real holy man? Think about how, how whack the world is, man. They got it 180 degrees backwards if you think about it. They would laugh at Paul and run him out of town because he how could how could he be a holy man looking like that? Uh, how could Jesus be the Messiah born in a stable around a bunch of animals? But he was. <laughs> Somebody said, Amen. We need to have brotherly love. We need to have action in our lives for something's wrong with our faith. Brotherly love results from convictions growing out of a study. Of course, justification by faith. If love does not result from our uh, hearts, we're at, we're at odds with ourselves. If a Christian knows he is saved by identification with Christ in his death and resurrection, that's what Paul was talking about, being dead to the world and the world to him. We must experience that death of self so the new life of Christ can come out of us. Amen. We must live in accordance with the law of Christ, which is the law of love. Not the law of sin and death, but the law of love. Amen. We love one another. Like Christ, we don't want to be, uh, we're not going to be ministered unto, but we will minister to others. Uh, our inner circle will be reflected in Christian character and service, and we will do good to all men, especially the brotherhood of faith. Amen. Let's stand this morning. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.